Take your copy, if you will, of Scripture and open to the book of Acts. We're going to start journeying a little bit. I don't know that we'll cover every single verse in Acts. That would take us a long time. But we're going to get some principles from Acts. If God has led us to leave established churches to plant a new church where anybody's life can be transformed by the gospel of Jesus. I don't know of a better text to go to than the first century church. We can't improve on that model right there, can we? We exist to be a church where anybody can be transformed by the truth of Jesus Christ. Of Jesus Christ. It's the truth of God's Word. We want to be a church that obeys the Great Commission to go and make disciples and fulfills the greatest commandment to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you can boil those down to just really two statements. We're going to love God and we're going to love people. If we love God supremely, we said last week, you can't help but love people from that. Jesus Christ wants to do more in and through Transformation Church, I believe, than even our feeble minds can wrap our hands around. Do we believe that? Do we really believe God wants to do a new thing, not just another church? We said from the very beginning, this is our third Sunday that we've met as a church, we don't just need another church in Hall County. Although we said if every church in Hall County was filled with people, there'd still be tens of thousands of lost people. We're not trying to be a cookie cutter, carbon copy of any other church. We believe East Hall needs a church that is different. We believe East Hall in Northeast Georgia needs a church that is unique. And that's why God's called us here to be a part of this. And we believe that bold prayers for that yields bold results for the Lord. So again, I commend you. It's exciting that you're a part of the nucleus, the beginning of what God can do. William James said years ago, the great use of a life is to spend it for something that outlasts it. The great use of a life is to spend it for something that outlasts it. Now, I've been saying for years, I believe that we could be living in the terminal generation, the last generation before the Lord raptures His church and the world enters into seven years of tribulation. I believe that. Other preachers have believed that for years and it hasn't happened yet, but I know we're closer now than we've ever been. But if the Lord doesn't come back, we are investing in something that will outlive us and that our grandchildren and their grandchildren can be a part of if the Lord doesn't come back. If the Lord is coming back in our lifetime, we should be more fervent, more active to reach this community than we've ever, ever been before. So I want to invest in something like that, and I believe you do too or you wouldn't be here. I want us to consider this morning five keys to success for Transformation Church. What are five keys to success for Transformation Church? Because that's who we are but really any church, any New Testament church can follow these principles. So we believe God's Word is absolute truth for all people, for all places, and for all times. So let's stand together and give honor to the reading of God's Word. In my first book, I told you, Theopolis, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day He was taken up to heaven after giving His chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. We're going to start studying some of those instructions. During the 40 days after He suffered and died, He appeared to the apostles from time to time, and He proved to them in many ways that He was actually alive, and He talked to them about the kingdom of God. If Jesus did not rise from the grave, we're wasting our time. If Jesus did not rise from the grave, what's the point of being here? What's the point of any church? But because He did, that's why we're here. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the transforming power of your word. Nothing can impact my life like the living, breathing, authoritative word of God. 
So as we spend the next number of moments together today studying your word, God, I pray you would transform us even more. Make us more into the image of Jesus because we studied your word today and then use us when we break this holy huddle and impact our community for your glory. And in your name we pray, amen. Amen. You can be seated. So five keys. Number one, you can write these down. Go back later on and see if what I told you is the truth. We must proclaim and believe God's word. That's number one. We just sang about it. We believe. We must proclaim and believe God's word. That's why our purpose statement, there was some conversation between us as we put together our purpose statement. Transformation Church exists to be a church where anyone can be transformed by the truth of Jesus. I felt like it was important to use that word truth because it's the word of God that transforms our lives. It's kind of tipping our hat to the inerrancy of scripture. The power, I say all the time and I borrowed this from my pastor Jim Perdue, the power is not in a preacher or a personality or a musician or a building. The power is in the word of God. So the word of God is going to be our blueprint. The word of God is our marching orders. Pastor Matt and I are researching, we're meeting with people, we're talking to people, we're learning about church planting, and it's good to do all of those things and learn from people. Somebody once said the best way to learn is from your mistakes. I don't think that's the truth. The best way to learn is from other people's mistakes. So we're talking to successful church planters. I've got one close friend of mine and a former pastor who planted a church, and he's like the golden boy. Everything he does, does great. But he planted a church that didn't make it. We're going to go sit down with him and say, what would you have done different? How can we learn from that? Because we don't want to spend our time for something that's going to burn out. So we're getting advice and opinions but the bottom line is the Word of God. It's the Word of God that trumps everything else because 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 reminds us that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's a compound Greek word. It's a Greek word theonoustos. It means God breathed. God breathed it out. Yet God used men to write the Word of God, but it's divinely inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what's true to make us realize what's wrong in our life, that convicting power of the Word of God. It corrects us when we're wrong, teaches us to do what's right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. Is planting Transformation Church a good work? We believe it is a good work or we wouldn't be here. So how are we going to know how to do that? Through the Word of God. So number one, it's the Word of God. Number two, the second key to success, we must rely on God's power. We must rely on God's power. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, very familiar passage of Scripture. We often use it to talk about witnessing, but I want to key in on that word power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That Greek word is the same word where we get the word dynamite. The Word of God is explosive. It can bring about radical upheaval for good when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And we know because we believe from the, not just because we're Baptist, but because we believe it's what the Word of God teaches, that happens at the moment of my salvation. When I became a child of God, the Spirit of God came to live inside of me. And he says, when that happens, that Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere. And Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So we believe we're called not just to Hall County, specifically East Hall County and the East Hall Community Center, but we think because of what God's going to do here and our investment in missions, we desire to be a part of the Chattahoochee Baptist Association and something bigger than us. So a portion of our tithes and offerings eventually will go to help support missions all around the world through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering for international missions, through the Annie Armstrong offering for um, North American missions. So it's a supernatural power we want to lean on. 
Because, we're, yeah, we're talking to other people, we're talking to experts, we're reading. But when you lean on man's power, you get man-sized results. When we tap into God's power, we get supernatural, God-sized results. So we want to pray bold prayers that bring about bold things for the glory of God. That's number two. You're listening well, and I preached way too long last week, so I'm trying to do better this week. Number three, we must be desperate in prayer. We must be desperate in prayer. Nothing of eternal significance is ever accomplished apart from prayer. Look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 12. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of half a mile. When they arrived, they went to the upstairs room, the upper room of the house, where they were staying. Here are the names of those who were present. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus." Transformation is a supernatural work of holy God. If we're going to be transformation church, if we're going to live up to that name, we must tap in to God's power through prayer. Genuine salvation is not something I can do. If I could get saved for you, if I could get saved for my son-in-law, if I could get saved for lost people, I would do that in a heartbeat. But I cannot. It's a supernatural work of God. So I can't do it, but I can talk to the one who can, and that's that access we have through prayer. Only God can accomplish it through desperate prayer, begging Him to do something bigger than ourselves. And I've, I've, I've quoted Dr. Jerry Falwell a lot because I went to Liberty Seminary when he was alive. He told us over and over again, if it's Christian, it ought to be better. If it's Christian, it ought to be better. So one of our core values at Transformation Church, we want to do things with excellence. We want to offer the Lord our best. We want to say to a world that is lost, Jesus has better for you. Jesus wants to transform your life. So we're going to pray those bold prayers for God-sized things. You know, one of the, the most immediate, daunting, scary things before us is our September the 11th launch and our need to be equipped to have a full-size church, to have all that we need to have a church. Thank God for my wife and Matt's wife and started Children's Church last week, but, but even that we don't have like we ought to have. We believe we're going to be meeting in that gymnasium, so we met with a portable church guy, and I told you the number last week, $131,000. That's a lot of money that we, in this room, we cannot do that. So, I, and some people have been a little afraid of that, and it's my fault because I didn't explain it to you. I don't expect this room to raise $131,000, but I believe there are Christian businessmen. I believe there are churches out there who want to see God do something. Maybe they're not calling, God's not calling them to be a part of this new church, but they believe in missions. They believe in what God's doing here, and I believe there are people that will impact that. $131,000 just to get the portable church, where we'll have that 24-foot trailer where everything we need is in there. It's in rolling containers and they're marked. So this one is for the nursery. This one is for the preschool. This wall will have a big giant sign on it, a pop-up thing that says Transformation Kids with a big TV. And this is where we'll have Children's Church in this room when we're meeting in there. So all of that stuff will come together, the signs that we need. And Lord willing, as soon as we have the money, we can go ahead and order those signs because we're in the East Hall Community Center. We don't have to go to our community. Our community's coming to us. So I'd love to have some signs out there that say Transformation Church meets here every week Sunday at 1030. And hopefully we can do that soon. We got to do advertising. We, they say that one of the best ways to do that is Facebook ads, which are pretty inexpensive. 
We've still not done Facebook ads because we don't feel like we're ready to throw out the big net to, our, to the lost community and say, y'all come because we don't have everything yet. We want to do it with excellence. But before September the 11th, we're going to be mailing out invites to tens of thousands of people in this zip code here to invite them. And so you think about $131,000. How big is my God? The contacts that I know and you know. Pastor Matt and I have done ministry other places. I was just saying, Lord, show me, help me break this down into smaller chunks so it's not so intimidating. Do you think out of all of us, out of everybody in this room, do, do, do one of us know one businessman or a church that might give an offering of $10,000? I know several who could and wouldn't miss it. Churches who could take that up in one Sunday. Can we believe God for one church to do that? Do, do we believe out of this room with the contacts that we have? And one of the things I'm praying is God will let me go to my hometown and preach in a church Sunday morning, preach in a different church Sunday night, and preach to a senior adult or civic group on Monday. I believe I can raise a good bit of money sharing the vision of what God's doing up here. Out of this room, do we know five churches, businesses, or individuals that could give $5,000? I think out of this room, and a lot of us are not here today, but those who are, I think we can easily do that. So we're getting this in bite-sized chunks so we wrap our minds around this $131,000. I believe we know five churches or businesses or individuals that could write a check for $2,500 or $500 a month for five months. Five, that's not a lot. I believe we know a hundred people who could either write a check for $1,000 or $200 a month for five months out of all the churches I've been in and places I've been and places you've been. See, that these are easily attainable goals. And then do we know a hundred people that could give $500 or $100 a month for five months or businesses or churches? Easy we do. Are there 25 people who could give us $100? If you add those numbers up I just gave you, that's 236 churches, businesses, or individuals, and those numbers add up to $200,000 that would pay for portable church. And here's the cool thing. Once it's paid for, it's paid for. We don't have to keep doing that. Once that's paid for, we have everything we need for a church. And then that gives us the money for advertising. We're paying rent to use this building every month. It will help on some of those things. we got to get insurance. If we're going to have $131,000 worth of stuff, we got to insure it. So those numbers I just gave you, for me, I said, Lord, that number scares me. Help me see that number in a different way so it doesn't scare me so bad. And I think when we break it down that way, and I just jotted that out in a pen. I'll put that on, a, I'll put that on something and share it with you. So in your prayer time, let's pray specifically. We're going to pray big prayers because we serve a big God. Specifically, God, would you help us check these boxes right here? Another way of doing that is Pastor Matt has been given the list breakdown from Portable Church of what everything costs. Somebody may have a passion for worship ministry and they say, hey, I'll write a check for the sound system. Will you mark that off? Somebody has a passion for children's ministry. I'll pay for everything in this room. So it's in bite-sized chunks we can do it because we serve a big God. We can't do it, but we know the one who can, and we're going to get there through prayer. How big is our God? Not only does he own the cattle on a thousand hills, the Bible says, he owns the hills up underneath those cows. So we need God to sell some cows and sell some land and invest in ministry here. So the first century church, that's what they did. They didn't barrel ahead and say, God bless what we're doing. No, they got with the Lord and said, God, how do you want us to do this? It's why our launch is not until September. I, again, I thank God for you. We need this number to grow. If we're all together at the same time, I think there'll be about 50 or so of us if everybody's here at the same time. 
But if we're going to have, we're trusting God for 400 people on September the 11th, it's going to take a lot of us. We have to pray for God to get our nursery ready. I don't mean children's church nursery. I mean the nursery, the neonatal nursery for these new Christians that are going to be birthed into the family of God. Because September the 11th, out of that 400, I pray the vast majority don't know the Lord. And they come here and we share the gospel with them. And then guess what? They're our babies to disciple and help grow in their faith. Too many churches want to organize, strategize, debate, and have meetings forever and ever and ever when God wants us to agonize in prayer instead. Because when you do what man can do, you get man-sized results. We want God-sized results. So our primary call really from God is not, it's not worship, it's not service. If you, our primary call in Scripture and being like Christ is intimacy. We want to be intimate with the Lord Jesus Christ. And how do I do that? Through reading and applying His Word and through prayer. It's time that we let go of control and let God have control. Because we've all been in churches or heard of churches that are man-controlled churches or family-controlled churches and they're stuck in a rut and they never get out of that rut. They do good for a little while, there's another explosion. We want a supernatural gospel dynamite explosion of what God can do, uh, not what man can do. So Miss Katrina is our prayer leader. She's a part of our leadership team. She's going to be getting us a, a prayer calendar. You know, because right now we have this and we have our Thursday night college study, um, um, 18 to 25-year-old study. Nolan will be preaching that this week. Pray for Nolan. He's messaged me several times this weekend. But we don't yet have life groups. Now, we can have life group. Anytime somebody says, hey, God put it on my heart and I want to teach a class and we'll meet in the home and do that during the week, uh, we can do that. But I think that fellowship is important. Like the meal we had last week, that's important for us to get to know each other better. We talked about doing a hot dog, grilling hot dogs and playing ball out here one week and inviting people. And we're going to meet in homes and we're going to pray together. So Miss Katrina will be telling you about that. And we said this morning, probably our first prayer meeting, we'll meet out here and we'll prayer walk around this property. What's happening today was birthed out of a prayer walk. We started talking about it, but a group of young people met here and we prayer walked to this building and said, this is where that church is going to be. God wants that church right here. And when they said, no, you can't meet here on Sundays, we said, God told us we're going to meet here Sunday. He said, if I can find somebody to work, you can do it. We said, this is where we're going to have church. And we just kept praying and banging on the doors of heaven. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. We are here today, I think, largely as a result of a prayer walk that happened on this property. And so we saw what God can do. We want God to do bigger and better things. We're here. We want God to take us to the next level. We have to pray. If I can spend my day communicating with other people, calling, text message, and all those things, the Bible says to pray without ceasing. What does that mean? I have a job to. I'll be at Walmart at 6 o'clock in the morning stocking groceries. Am I sinning because I'm stocking and I'm not praying? No, that means we're always in an attitude of prayer. I have my scheduled quiet time. Every morning, the most important thing I do is spend my time in the Word of God and my time in prayer. That's my prayer time, my most important appointment of the day. But throughout the day, I'm just praying. Even as I'm stocking Oreos and Chips Ahoy, and I can be praying and talking to the Lord then. It means we're in a constant attitude of prayer before the Lord because what God's called us to do is bigger than all of us put together. Number four, we must have faith that produces obedience. We must have faith that produces obedience. Let's look again at verse number eight. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Then in verse 9, after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. 
As they strained to see him rise into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? They had to get obedient. Why are you standing there staring into heaven? Northeast Georgia, East Hall County can say, why are y'all meeting in that building every week? Our faith has got to result and our prayers have got to move us off of our blessed assurance into obedience. Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he'll return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. So a stationary church is a disobedient church. We keep using the term holy huddle, holy huddle. God did not call us to have a holy huddle. We don't exist primarily for each other, although what we have I think is special. We're going to be family. We're going to be closer than the average church. But we exist for those that don't know the Lord to impact Him. So just 40 days before Acts chapter 1, if you took a public opinion poll, they said there ain't no Jesus. That was a bunch of hooey. He's gone. He's dead and gone. But Acts chapter 2 and verse 14 Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen, listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. Jesus really did rise from the dead. Jesus really is coming back again. They had to get up and be obedient just like we've got to do. We've got to open our mouths and share the good news of the gospel. If we don't obey the Great Commission, it's our number one goal to go and make disciples of all the nations. If we don't do that, we're wasting our time. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Just kind of a survey here of Acts 2. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through Him, as you well know. Miracles, signs, wonders, things that could not be explained apart from a holy God. When you look at this group, again, if we were all here 40, 50, 60, I haven't sat down and counted them all, to come up with the resources to have a church that we can put in a 24-foot trailer and advertise to tens of thousands of homes for the whole purpose of getting the gospel out, that is a powerful miracle that only God can do when you look at our limited resources. But God knew what would happen, and His prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. The betrayal of Jesus was prearranged. Something negative, something horrible. I'd want to stand up and cut off the dude's ear like they did too. But it was, it was all part of the plan. You nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. For death could not keep him in its grip. Verse 32, God raised Jesus from the dead and we're all witnesses of this. We are to be obedient witnesses to the transforming gospel of Jesus Christ to those that we come in contact with. And as we pray, as we stand on the word, as we're obedient, number five, we must prepare for a great harvest. We must prepare for a great harvest. What God is doing is far bigger than this room right here. Look at verse 37. Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. The gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is what gives us that relationship. Then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that happens at salvation. This promises to you, to your children, and to those far away. All have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. I preached for a long time last week. I think Peter preached longer than that, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about how many? 3,000 in one day. On the first launch of the church plant, 3,000. 
8,000 people were saved, and then all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. They didn't just come in the front of the door, pray a prayer, fill out a card, and go out the back door and never come back again. They were discipled. They got involved. They learned what their spiritual gifts were. How do I know that? Because it didn't stop with the 3,000 people when they planted that church. What we are believing God to do in and through us, evangelism and outreach are going to be our main focuses. To share the gospel and to outreach this community, this largely untouched part of Hall County. As we keep saying, there's great churches all around our county, but we believe God wants to do something different in East Hall. I just feel like, for, and maybe I'm feel this way because my daughter-in-law grew up in East Hall. She grew up here. But I see, and I see all the churches that are doing things to reach other areas. And there's, there's East Hall and other, East Hall Baptist and a few other churches around here. But there's, I believe God wants to do bigger and better than we've ever seen Him do. And we believe He wants us to be a part of that. And that word translated devoted in Acts 2.42 means to be consumed. They were consumed with what God called them to do. It wasn't casual. It wasn't just we'll show up on Sunday morning and we'll say we went to church and then we're done. No, they were consumed with God's call. So 3,000 people came to faith in Jesus on the first Sunday of that plant. I hope God laughs at us and says, you sure did pray a little bitty prayer. When we're asking God to give us 400 on 9-11 and the majority of those to be lost, out of 400, can we trust God to save 10 I mean, are we serving the same God who saved 3,000 in one day or not? Ten would be glory hallelujah. One would be glory hallelujah. That's one person that was going to hell and now they're going to heaven. But I believe God wants to do bigger and better than we could ever ask or imagine. On the second Sunday of that first church plant, Acts chapter 4 and verse 4, but many of the people who heard their message, now 3,000 got saved the first week, believed it. So the number of men, we not count women and children, just men who believed now totaled about 5,000 by the second week of that first church plant there and we serve the same Jesus. We got the same resources at our, at our disposable. Romans chapter 8 says we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Whatever He's entitled to, we're entitled to on the authority of God's Word. So when we're consumed with praying, when we're consumed with expecting God to do God-sized things, miracles can happen. And, you know, I'm not just talking about the miracle of raising the money that we need, but for a soul who was on their way to hell and now God rescued them and put them on the road to take them to heaven, there's no greater miracle than that right there. And we believe God wants to multiply that many times over. Look at Acts 2.43. These miracles are happening. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions. They shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. It wasn't just Sunday. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day... Now, the first two Sundays of the church plant, there's 5,000 men, not counting women and children. And this verse says, Each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. If we plug into the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God, and we live that out in this community, I mean, in the end times, the Bible tells us, things are going to get worse and worse. There's going to be a greater polarization between good and evil. 
Light shines brightest in the darkest places. And if we let our light shine for Jesus in a wicked and perverse generation, people are going to see that and they're going to know why do we have what we have. So if we're praying for rain, we're going to get umbrellas. If we're praying for lost people to be saved, we're praying for a harvest, we're going to pray that God will stock that neonatal intensive care unit with people who can disciple new believers in their faith and help them grow in the Lord. So that's why our focus for now is mostly just building a strong core of mission-minded believers who are willing to get out of our comfort zone and to roll up our sleeves and to get busy. we got to have a lot of children's and youth leaders. We want to touch families for Jesus. We're just saying, I speak Jesus over my family. You know, one of the most, probably the most successful church plant in our association is Southside Church over between here and Athens. You know, one reason that church has been so successful, there's a lot of reasons, but they focused on prayer, but they went after the men. Their philosophy is if you get the daddy, you'll get the family. If you get the man, the wife and the kids will come along behind them. That's worked for them. I think that could be a great strategy for us. So for winning men to Jesus, the wives and the kids are going to come. So we got to have a first-class nursery facility. I mean, they go to Christ Place or Free Chapel or, or um, I always get Tom Smiley's church, Lake Wood. I always want to call it Lakeshore, Lakewood. They go to all these churches with state-of-the-art nurseries and play systems and all that stuff. we got to offer them something here to prove to them that we love them. We're going to have people who are checked out and do background checks. We're going to be insured, and we're going to teach their children the love of Jesus with excellence. If we aren't prepared, if we aren't expectant, if we're just satisfied with second best, why would God send them to us if we're not striving for excellence? So we're going to prepare in faith expecting, anticipating. We can't produce a move of God, but we know the one who can. And we're going to keep saying, how big is our God? We're going to dream big dreams for God. I think the world has seen enough, I've certainly seen enough, of dead, dull, boring, ho-hum churches who do nothing. I don't know, for whatever reason, when I was in evangelism, God called me to preach in a lot of those churches. I don't understand why. Some dead churches that God sent me to. Like if somebody got up to make an announcement, it would bless my heart. Or they just got up and went to the bathroom. There was like no movement there. And sadly, we heard the statistic the other day from Dr. Kanner at, in the Board of Visitors meeting at Truett. I think, I can't remember if he said one church a day or one church a week in the state of Georgia closes their doors. It was, a, it was at least one a week if it wasn't one a day. And I've been in some of them. You know what they need to if all they're going to do is fuss and fight and argue, they don't care about the community outside, they need to shut their doors. Stop pretending to be a church when you're nothing more than a family social club. We want to be a church that cares about souls. We want to be a church that impacts eternity from the East Hall Community Center. God sends them to us. And the law of prayer is the law of the harvest. It says, if you sow sparingly in prayer, you reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. The trouble is we keep trying to get our efforts Get back from our efforts what little bit we put into it. God wants us to dream big dreams. When the Word of God spread, the disciples multiplied. People were saved. Even some phony, fake religious leaders came to faith in Christ. Acts 5.14 Believers were added to the Lord and increasing numbers, multitudes, both men and women. Acts chapter 6 and verse 7. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. When religious leaders start getting saved, that's a sure enough move of God. Acts 2.47, each day the Lord added their fellowship, those who were being saved. So church historians estimate in the first six months of that first church plant there in Acts 2, within six months, they estimate 100 
thousand people had come to faith in Jesus Christ. Do we serve the same God? Has He changed at all since that time? God has not moved. It's that we've changed. And just 40 years from then, the gospel spread from Jerusalem literally to every corner of the known world. Two billion professing Christians on planet Earth today, all of us can trace our family tree, our spiritual tree, right back to that first group of people. I pray generations from now people will be able to trace their faith back to this group of pioneers right here in this room. When I met with Jojo Thomas last week, he said, Mike, there's two kind of people. There's settlers and there's pioneers. And you don't just need settlers if you're going to launch a successful church plant. You need pioneers. A settler is somebody who comes into an established area and they just settle. A pioneer is somebody who works their tail off. They cut down the trees. They make lumber out of the trees. They build houses. They pioneer. They trailblaze. We are the pioneers. We are blazing a trail. And then come September the 11th, when God sends us more and more lost people, it's okay that they're settlers. They don't know any better. But it's going to take us being trailblazers and pioneers because we serve the same God. As we keep prayer and evangelism our focus, God's going to do that. One of our SBC seminary presidents recently said that, in his opinion, less than 5% of today's young people have been evangelized. Less than 5%. Is God okay with that? If we're not reaching the next generation, the church will die out. Our home base is East Hall Community Center where East Hall comes to do life every week. Last week we left and the softball team was out there practicing. Thursday night we met here and there were people practicing ball all over the place. Do we really believe that this mission is possible? It is mission possible. It is not mission impossible. And we're going to pray bold prayers. They're going to produce bold answers. And I believe these are five keys for the success and the future of Transformation Church and any church that says they want to follow the Lord. So it starts with questions like this. How big is your God? How big is your God? Is there anything God can't do? If we get in tune with Him and we pray and we obey His Word, He's going to do exceedingly, abundantly, the Bible says, above and beyond all that we could ask or imagine. Well, i got to make sure I know Him. Do we truly know the Lord? We were talking earlier this morning about uh, somebody struggling with assurance of salvation and somebody else said, well, you're saved. I don't know that anybody, you don't know I'm saved. I hope you look at my life and see some fruit, but you don't know that I am, and I don't know that you are, so we don't ever take for granted that anybody's saved. you got to make sure that you have a relationship with Jesus. If you died today, where would you spend eternity? If you're going to be a part of being a pioneer and a trailblazer, it starts, that's the foundational truth, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for my sins. I've accepted that forgiveness, and His Spirit lives inside of me, and I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So if you're struggling with assurance of your salvation, there's nothing wrong with being sure. Please come talk to one of us. Let us know. We'd love to tell you how you can know 1 John 5, 13, that you have eternal life. And then so these are five keys that Pastor Mike didn't make up. They're straight from the Word of God. Our next question is, how committed are we going to be to these five keys? How committed are each of us going to be to these five keys to success for this church plan? We looked at the first century church, 3,000 one week, 5,000 just men the next week, 100,000 people within six months. Bring it a little bit closer to home. Many of you know Bucky Kennedy, who pastored at Riverbend for years, and he's the campus pastor at Truett McConnell University. Fourteen months ago, Bucky Kennedy planted obeyed the Lord, North Hall Church, in a building that I'm told should have been condemned with 40 people. Fourteen months later, last Sunday, they had 500 people. 
Do we serve the same God that Bucky does? Do we serve the same God of the first century? That's Hall County. That's not just, okay, sometimes we read the Bible and think, man, but that was a long time ago. Can God still do that? I'm telling you, he did it here in North Hall. If he did it in North Hall, I believe he can do it in East Hall. A little bit easier to do it in North Hall because there's more resources there. A little bit harder in East Hall from a human perspective. But from God's perspective, all God asks me to do is be obedient. All I ask you to do is be obedient. What is your role in the keys to success at Transformation Church? So again, to bring it closer to home. We studied the Bible. We know God can do it. We've seen God do it at North Hall on Easter Sunday, if you haven't heard. And this is a gamble. Easter Sunday is the biggest Sunday of the year for a church. Easter Sunday, we're not meeting here. We're not going to meet at Transformation Church Easter Sunday. We're going to Houston, to Mill Creek High School, to Purpose Church. It will be their sixth week of meeting, and they're trusting God for 400 within six weeks. Is it six or eight weeks? In the first few months of their plan. We thought we're going to volunteer to go and serve. We're asking people to come here and serve. We're going to put our money where we're going to go and serve that church that day. We'll say, where do you, do you want us to be greeters? you want us in the nursery? And God's going to let us see what can happen in a short amount of time when people trust God and dream big dreams for God? So that's where we're going to be Easter Sunday. You help spread the word on that. I want to go. I want to see what God's doing. I believe it will light a fire in us for what God can do here. He's doing it in North Hall. He's doing it in Houston. Why not East Hall? Let's pray together. Lord, I am in awe of who you are. I'm in awe that you would take just common, ordinary folks like those disciples, smelly fishermen, hated tax collectors, a doctor, Dr. Luke, and others, Lord, and because of their faithfulness, we meet today at Transformation Church. Lord, if you tarry your coming and you don't come back in our lifetime, our prayer is that we're a part of something that will outlive each one of us. That for generations to come, there'll be a strong lighthouse in East Hall County, Georgia, impacting souls for Jesus, impacting eternity from Jesus. Not only touching Northeast Georgia, but God let us touch the nations through our obedience and our ability to give to missions and to go. God, I pray in our future, we've got our resources taken care of. We've raised the money for portable church. Then God, we want you to take us across the street and around the world with the good news of the gospel. Give us a global picture of what you can do. Lord, remind us that the same God who moved on the hearts of people in the first century church is the same God we serve today. So God, I thank you in advance. I thank you in advance. I give you all glory in advance for what you're going to do. Big things for your glory through the obedience of this small group of folks here because we serve a big God. And it's in his name we pray. Amen and amen. Starts with being sure of our salvation. Do you know that you know that you know Jesus as the Lord of your life? If so, are you willing to be one of those pioneers? Well, I think you are you wouldn't be here. When we start talking in coming weeks about a constitution service and being charter members, I want you to start praying now. Is God calling you to put your name on the line to be a charter member that in the history of Transformation Church for decades to come, you're listed as a charter member and a pioneer? So let's stand together and let's worship. If you need to pray, you pray. If you need somebody to pray with you, come and let one of us pray with you. But let's respond in obedience.